Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, August 16th, 8 o'clock on the East Coast. Glad you're in. Lots to do tonight. Paul Nolan's in the house, going to do some news. Um, Rick Delgado's here as well. Geo friend holding it down. People will be happy friends back because, well, they weren't too happy with my music choices, <laughs> friends. So, well, one night they were happy, and yeah. then the other two, I just got hammered. Really? Oh, God, just hammered. <laughs> So, um, good. Thanks to Paul and um, what's your name, Rick, for holding down the show Thursday and Friday. I heard the shows were great. We had some fun on Friday. G was uh, he was doing his mix mix master skills with uh, Cuomo. The, okay. the it was Cuomo awesome. video. He synced it up to every bit of every time the music went out. He had Cuomo <laughs> dancing exactly on beat. Oh, was, Chris Cuomo. Yes, yeah. I saw that. I didn't see what you guys did, but I saw the video of him. And it was every type of music. He had like country, like banjo <laughs> yeah. things, and then he had like hip. Everything, yeah. every sound that went out, Cuomo was right in beat. Yeah, looking like an Uber new. Well, I'd love to be able to have some fun tonight. But it's 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 hard on a day oh, that no, what um, a disgrace. It's hard on a day that um, you know there are yeah there he is. Speaking That's of image, so... images that stay with you, that that could qualify as one. But <laughs> there are images throughout our history. You think of um, Tiananmen Square, and you can you can go through all kinds of different <laughs> oh, yeah. things in our our history. Landing on the moon. Yep. yep on nine eleven, it's hard to um, it's hard to get the. Back the, to the left, iconic moments in American history, and right there, Chris Cuomo. It's hard to not think of, on nine eleven to not think about those images of people falling from those buildings. Those of us who knew oh, people please. in them, um, and I think the images that we saw this morning oh, of the people in this C seventeen in Afghanistan trying to get on the plane, hang on the plane, getting run over by the plane. And then eventually falling from the plane in the air is just, um, I, I, I don't know. I think that these are, this will go down in history as one of the darkest days of one of the darkest um, haunting images of the pure desperation that you see here of people knowing what's coming and, and seeing maybe a last ditch effort to save themselves, I guess. I mean, it's just... And the president today is a coward. And I, and I don't... And a liar. Not, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to say what we saw from him today. He's cowardly. Uh, total lack of 
empathy. Um, of course, it did amaze me that people were surprised he took no... There was no way he was going to take questions, even from, as I tweeted, his clapping seals in this media, because even from them, this would have been too much. To, to ask him about the, these heart-wrenching videos we, we saw this morning, um, just the humanitarian crisis that's unfolding in front of all of us, nobody, especially in, in his case, in his shape, could answer questions even from this media about it. He acted like a coward. We didn't hear from him for however long. He left Camp David. First of all, there, there, I mean, there are so many things here to cover. What happened at Camp David in the White House put out this photograph that, um, and I don't know if we've gotten it. Maybe we have. I haven't seen the answer yet. But the White House put out this photograph of this old fool sitting in the, I guess. Oh, that disgraceful photo of him looking like he's in charge. Against the backdrop of these TVs where, number one, they don't blur out the locations of all of the people he's talking to, which looked like it revealed CIA or operatives (laughs) locations (laughs) on the TVs that you could see. And then I saw people pointing out the fact that the timing on the clocks above were wrong so people think it's either a photoshopped file or i mean it has to be there's no way those clocks out it's a it's propaganda photo man it's a photo op they sell you that this puppet is in charge and he's got any kind of say in a leadership he's a puppet yeah Come on. Um, yeah, I think I think they said the uh, time on the clocks because of the time difference between what was it, Moscow yeah, and the three hours. It really should have been two hours. Right. Uh, last time it would have been that was back in March. March. Yeah. Um. So there's so many things to talk about here, and so much hypocrisy, and so much just patheticness, and all of this. But it struck me to think, and we can get to we can get to the whole crux of the speech in this false choice that we've been given all day even on tv we're given all day about 20 years there and what and and all that we can get to that but i just want to quickly remind you before we get into this that this administration this president nancy pelosi chuck schumer the democratic party just a quick six months ago had washington dc on more of lockdown more planning went into fencing down the Capitol. We had 20,000 or so troops sleeping in parking garages on call because, well, I, because of this fake, phony, made-up insurrection and telling us how dangerous everything was. And yet, here we are in a place in the world where we've been for 20 years— we have something like a $700 million embassy and $100 billion worth of uh, taxpayer-funded military equipment. And Joe Biden tells us today that we couldn't leave 2,500 or couldn't plan well enough for 2,500 troops to stay there, a tenth of what we had in D.C. parking garages, Um to protect, get out whatever equipment we could get out, get out our allies, and protect the situation on the ground. The 2,500 couldn't stay, but yet today he's sending in 6,000. I mean, if you can figure out this day, you're, better, you're smarter than me. Besides the cowardliness of the whole thing and his lack of just pure 
anything. But not not just the cowardly, right? You know, what to me was the insults, the way he belittled the Afghan soldiers, the 50,000 people who died fighting, undemand, no morale. I mean, their morale had been completely obliterated. They're still fighting. They didn't have enough ammunition. They lost all tactical support from the U.S., um, without notice, by the way, without any notification. This is what I'm saying about people on TV today. And you're hearing this, you know, they make it this black and white line of, well, we can't fight. Oh, yes. A lot of us agree we can't fight the world's wars in 20 years. And OK, fine. That's not that. We can't fight them. But we fight them to win. But how we fight them to turn over material, you know, and then we empower the Taliban by giving them tons and tons and tons and tons of weapons high-tech stuff how about ak-47s that you and i aren't allowed to have in our house but how many did they send over to them think about the endless amounts of irony in this whole pile of garbage yes and, there's and lots I, of it and i almost slipped there think about this like think about 2.4 trillion dollars spent as far as we know think about uh, 22,000 bo- of our bravest sons and daughters dead think about this think about how we still lost how China and Russia now are strengthened again, just like after Nam. After Nam, we lost, spent a ton of money, lives, resources. And what happened? China and Russia got stronger as a, as a result of it. China and today, China, on the move. Yeah, they're telling us, hey, I, Taiwan, this, this bit of scare you. Could you imagine being in Taiwan? Could you imagine how about if being you're in, in Ukraine Taiwan, now? if you're in Ukraine, if you're in Israel? If Could we you imagine been, any of these places today? This is just, it's stunning. It's, it's staggering. It's just staggering how it's almost as if they, if we know this, we're a couple of meatheads. How, we know. <laughs> You're going to tell me they don't know that they're basically putting the hornets, sticking the stick in it, firing it up so they could fire up the war machine all over again? You're going to tell me there's not going to be this. How else do you pay all this debt, right? By war. War pays debt. Break a window. It's the Keynesian economic facet break a window then the the window maker gets to do business and the, you know it, it's it's a break a nation and get to rebuild it and and boom you you fire up your economy a little you you, you keep it on life support for a little while longer well that's an interesting point that no one's really talked about i haven't heard that brought up at all but that's an interesting point um but all of this coming from the man i remind you that told us he he had the most foreign policy experience of anyone that has ever run this is the commander-in-chief, and today he pulled the, as I t- also tweeted, as I tweeted throughout his speech, the, he basically pulled the Governor Cuomo defense. Blame everybody else. The buck stops with, well, literally everybody else. He spent 15 minutes, and then he told us, oh, by the way, the buck stops with me. Uh, just a manipul- uh, manipulative speech, lack of empathy, Lack of, he, he looked totally soulless. lost. Soulless and lost. Soulless and soulless who, is a good word. Who was the. I, I think detached also. Yeah. Kind of fits. No responsibility taken almost at all. Yeah. Who was it who said recently he's had 40 something years of foreign policy and he's always wrong? Was that that was uh, Robert Gates. Gates. Wrote it in his book. And that was uh, covering the 80s, the 90s, 2000 to 2010, and right. 2010 to 2020. We're now in 2021. You can add another decade to that. Let me, let me, um, I have so much good stuff for you to see that I don't even know if you remember having it was said or seen. But there are some things today that I'm going to show you that are going to shake your head. Speaking of Gates, 24G, we'll start there since Paul brought it up. Here is that uh, conversation, cut 24, uh, former Defense Secretary Robert Gates on Face the Nation. Here's part one of this. Still, 
I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Would he be an effective commander in chief? Now listen to his answer. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I stand by that statement. I think that I think, as I say elsewhere in the memoir, I think I think that uh, the vice president had some issues with the military. So how he would get along with the senior military and what that relationship would be, I just uh, I think it, it would depend on the personalities at the time. Okay, stop it for He's one second. Chief. See, that's very interesting because there's stories floating around, and I have one, and I'll get to eventually. Uh, that um, military leaders had warned Biden about this for weeks now. Yeah, that this could collapse this fast, and that that he um, he wasn't interested in anything they had to say. Actually, I was listening to uh, Dan Bongino earlier. He said when he did his last tour uh, of running, uh, you know, Secret Service for the president, President Obama at the time, his last mission was to Afghanistan. And he said, talking to the people on the ground, he was there for about three weeks. He said, they told him, if we leave, this place collapses. And this was 10 years ago. So no. really nothing has changed. And I mean, and I think it's the failure of these people to realize you're dealing with a country that doesn't look at themselves as a country. They're tribes. They're tribes of people. That's how they think. That's their culture. That's what they do. So any semblance of going, oh, well, we got 300,000 in the military. And they're not really, you know, it's not like a regular country. It's this kind of weird, I don't know, it, it's, I wouldn't even call it a country. All right, here's the rest of Gates. Roll that, you. He's about a year older. <laughs> yes. You think he's right for this moment? Well, I, you know, <laughs> I think I'm pretty busy and pretty active, but I think, I think having a president who is somebody our age, uh, or older, in the case of Senator Sanders, uh, is, uh, I think it's problematic. I think that um, you don't have the kind of energy uh, that I think is required uh, uh, to be president. Uh, I think, I th I'm not sure you have the intellectual acuity that you might have had in your 60s. Um, so, I mean, it's just a personal view, I, you know. I, the thought for me, the, the thought good, of yeah. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this was 2019. I remind you, all right, just getting started. I got lots of stuff to show you live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B. Glad you're in on a Monday night. Uh, Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran here as well. So we got we're going to spend most of the night on obviously Afghanistan. It's that big um, because we wake up in a world today that's unequivocally more dangerous than the world we left on Friday afternoon, Friday night when the guys were here. There's just no no two ways about that. You look at Afghanistan, twenty years. The Taliban will, as of tonight, and certainly going on in the next months if not already, will be in control of more of um, Afghanistan, the country, like the whole thing, than they were prior to 9-11, 2001. So you can't just say we're back to 2001. No, we're probably worse. It's probably worse. And um, as bad as Biden was, I will tell you this, and I tweeted this as well today. 
I was very busy on active on Twitter today. The State Department was no better. The Pentagon possibly was worse in just its total ineptness. Ineptness? Is that a word? Yeah. And um, I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's deliberate cluelessness or just, well, of course it is. They're not going to tell. I mean, they just don't know anything. They don't know it. They can't answer anything. They don't know anything. And it's, um, it's just beyond frustrating to listen to. The Pentagon was as the briefing today in the Pentagon. I have some clips. It's just brutal. What do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you can't say? You know, we saw the um, people fall- falling from the airplanes. Well, we can't confirm it. It's, well, what do you mean you can't confirm? Turn on the TV. <laughs> if I can confirm it, you can confirm it. Stop lying. And so that's what they all did. And the State Department has, came out with, I don't know. Um, so just a couple other things on Gates that you just, I don't want to say you'll flabbergast you, but just, two, this is 2019. This is cut 25, G. Further in that discussion on Face the Nation that he had when he called Biden on the wrong side of every foreign policy. This is Mr. Foreign Policy, by the way, on the wrong side of all of it for four decades. He also said, he also said this. So he clearly knew this. Other people clearly knew this. Um, Cut 25, roll that. Afghanistan, you were intimately involved um, when you were the Secretary of Defense. President Trump campaigned on bringing the troops home. President Obama campaigned on bringing the troops home. U.S. troops are still there. Is it time to bring them home? Okay, stop, so stop for a second. I, so you see, this is, the, this is the false choice that's being positioned today as if only that's the only thing on the table today to be discussed. If that's the only thing on, is it time? We haven't been attacked on, this, on the, our shores since 2001. And I just, I just wonder, when they make it a black and white question like that, if uh, is is it that black and white that we don't think that um, the Afghanistan of today will be a breeding ground uh, to to look at a further are we more dangerous and uh, are we more susceptible to an attack today than we were last week or in, in those past years? Combat forces left Afghanistan in 2014, so we have not been there fighting for 20 years. And as Paul said, we pull out all of our air support which has really been the thing that's kept everything on neutral ground over these years. So this black and white choice of, well, no, you got to get out. Can't leave anybody there. Okay, well, how many days, how many days or how many years without an attack on home soil is, is, worth, is worth it? Worth those days, I wonder. What do you think about that, Paul? Uh, I, I have so much to say about this, but I don't know what I can say or well, can't Well, just say, say whatever you want, because I just think the idea that we can't have troops. I mean, we have troops in all parts of the world doing things that none of us will ever know. I and a lot of it is to protect agreed. the homeland. The agreed. idea that we can't have zero, we could have zero troops. Which, honestly, but how, and how many private contractors and mercenaries and, and like black ops and, you know, Blackwater and, and Rand Corp and, you know, all these, you know, uh, these businesses that are basically you know, soldiers for hire by private contractors had used all of that power that they had been given 
by the government and then take all the profit of the poppy fields and they launder money for drug cartels. There was so much criminal activity going on all through Afghanistan through this whole time. I just don't understand to me, like, like uh, it's just it's stunning to me what a disaster it's been again. Soviets do it, disaster. We do it, disaster. And now, you know, what do we have? We have an opioid crisis here in America. Like, you know, to me, there's so much. I don't. I shouldn't go down this rabbit hole. But there's so much illegal behavior with money laundering through international banks. So many tr- these these companies like, you know, like Blackwater have had to change their name. I can't. I don't even know what they're called anymore. They they've made billions and billions of dollars with illegal operations. Did it dry up? Why? Why is this happening now? Is it because they want to really ramp up the war machine? I, I don't. I can't. I guess my question to you, though, is this idea that we can't have troops anywhere? This black and white that we've heard oh, no, all day that's today. That's just black and white. Oh well, that's that's how they frame it, right? One is we can't have any anywhere. Then we have to have everybody, every all of that. They, there's never any happy medium or or, or reason to it. No, they, you couldn't take away the air support. They, we knew it would happen. You know, we should have troops in places, but not in 163 countries. But, you know, maybe we do have bases, but we charge like Trump had said. I like the idea of charge for our time there. You pay us to be there. You know, we'll 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 put our boys and, and, and our sons and daughters at risk, I suppose. But compensate us. We're not going to pay you to be there. But, you know, what happens now when China says they want to take those spots? We still have troops in Japan and Germany, and it's been like 80 years since and, that and, war. Oh, and yeah. don't forget South Korea. We got like 30,000 there. Didn't we remove Just, a bunch of guys from, from Germany? Didn't we, didn't we cut it down yeah, to like 12,000 so. now? All right, but listen to what the second, former Secretary of Defense says here, because obviously this is the idea here that um, Biden's caught, caught, they were caught so off guard, which is all the questions today. How could this ha- possibly happen? This is 2019. Roll it. I think that the circumstances under which you bring them home matter. And, and I think trying to give the Afghan government the best possible shot uh, at survival is really important for the future of Afghanistan. I mean, if we just walk away from Afghanistan and, and the Afghan government is completely left on its own, just think of the consequences for Afghan women, for example, or girls in schools in Afghanistan. So if you hand over this country, in effect, to the Taliban, do they go back to where they were in, 19, uh, in 2000 or 1999? Yeah. And what are the costs of that and what will be the, what will be the reaction in the United States when they see uh, women being stoned to death and things like that? So the question is, can you negotiate an arrangement whereby the Taliban agrees to operate under the Afghan constitution, becomes a part of the political process, um, but the aspects of Afghanistan that have been modernized in terms that I've just been describing. Former U.S. Ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, who you know well, compared this to Vietnam. He said, you pull out your troops, it doesn't end the war, that hands the battlefield to your adversaries. Do you see that? I think there's a very real risk of that, yes. A repeat of Vietnam? Well, a repeat of, of the government that we have supported being unable to sustain itself. Mm-hmm. That's 2019. Mm. That's the former Secretary of Defense. Does that sound like uh, this, should, this today's a big surprise? 
Not certainly shouldn't certainly wouldn't be to him. And, and what's amazing too is the earlier questions that she asked him about Biden directly. You notice he didn't answer yes. He was like, oh yeah, he'd be great. It was a long pause, a breath. It's like, well, not exactly a, a ringing endorsement, right? It, from he someone might, he's known for four decades, right, Rick? It's almost like he was saying, "I'd like to give you an honest answer here, but it would be career suicide." <laughs> right. Let's hear from the um, let's hear from we'll the president himself. Down. Oh, we don't have time. All right, we'll do it when we get back. The hour live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here. Rick Delgado's here. Gio Fran here as well. Rick Amrati will be back tomorrow night. Uh, spending a lot of time as we will continue to on Afghanistan. It's obviously that important and it's a disaster. And this president is a disaster. A disgrace. People around him are a disaster. The, um, we're uh, just, I mean, today's, he, he was. That speech today was just a, um, tried to be a masterclass in misdirection. It was the Cuomo defense of uh, blame everybody else. Uh, he tried to portray himself as like some almost heroic, like, 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 oh, I'm gonna, like, uh, I'm not handing this off to another president. Like, uh, yeah, like, like he's being noble. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to save the next guy from the problem. It'll be on me. Don't worry about it. I'll take the brunt. But it was everybody else's fault. Yeah, this 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 positioning that he that that, and I've heard other I heard other people today try to do it. Like the, it was this the distinction between um, staying and fighting forever. Again, combat troops came out in 2014. Um, w- was like kind of one choice, and that's that was the only alternative. And not addressing this withdrawal debacle, which is th- the main point here. Just an absolute utter debacle on every single level. And his, uh, first of all, no one hears from him until today. And then he leaves, takes no questions, gets right back on the helicopter, goes back to Camp David. You know, why not just do it from Camp David? Why not pre-record it, by the way, if it's going to be that bad? If it's going to be that... um, I mean, he was hanging on to that teleprompter today. Those eyes were so focused. I said to my, I think I tweeted after he was done, he had to go lay down on the couch somewhere. (laughs) He was so strenuous. Those eyes were focused so hard on that teleprompter that, I mean, he had to be winded as if he just went three rounds in a UFC ring. He had like a a liquid IV of Adderall pumping through him? Uh, Well, probably before. I, I bet you they yelled at him, said, do not go off script, you know, that kind of, because uh, yeah. he likes to go, you know what I mean, man, and none of those, we don't want to hear any, you want to know, you know what I mean, man, we don't want any whispering, read what we wrote, and then get out of there. Don't take questions, don't even look, <laughs> and, and he turned around, like somebody cranked up his little crank on the back, and he was just marching right out as soon as he, as soon as he got done with the last <laughs> sentence. 
if he had given if he had given this speech about a hundred days ago, you know, I think people, I think there's some people that would have argued that it was, um, you know, it was pretty, it was it would have been looked at as said, okay, well, that, that's a plan he laid out. There you go. But to lay it out when there's people falling from the sky off of these points, I mean, people literally losing their lives, putting their lives in danger, losing their life, falling from the sky to get out of this disaster. I mean, the idea that we're pulling 2,500 troops out, today he's sending 6,000 troops in. I mean, that alone just screams to you, we have no idea what the hell we're doing. We had no idea what the plan for. We had no idea what we're doing. We still have no idea what we're doing. I mean, these clips of the State Department today in the Pentagon are, are worse than his speech. Worse. And, and what's crazy, from what I understand, the, the people that were feeding them the intelligence were saying, look, here's, here are our plans. And they just kept throwing them to the side. Nope, not what we want to hear. We have our idea. And so that makes me think if they were getting intelligence, they were getting direction of saying, you know what? Here's a plan that could work. We should do this. We should do this. Here's something to consider. And it was all tossed to the side. Maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe this was the plan. Hey, let's, let's open it up for China. Uh, China already owns me. Might as well give them Afghanistan. Well, it's hard. To, I mean, it's just hard to imagine that that could possibly be the, a plan. Uh, let's go back to candidate Biden. Cut, cut forward, G. Here's candidate Biden in 2000, I believe, um, 20. On Face the Nation, roll that. Afghanistan. Yes. There is a plan in place for a deal to be signed at the end of the month after this pause in violence or reduction in violence. I remember when the Obama administration sought a deal with the Taliban. Trump administration's now on the verge of signing. You know that, stop it. So that's an interesting, interesting that she reminded me that the Obama administration was looking to do it as well because Joe Biden today got up in front of the world and made it sound like he was hamstrung by this Trump, this Trump deal. Now this is a guy who has either halted, canceled, (laughs) changed, or uh, uh, gotten out of every Trump policy or anything else, canceled any pipe, uh, everything he can. But, you know, on this one, guys, I was, oh, man. I was just really, uh, just a terrible, terrible situation for me. I'm actually the victim here. I was really hamstrung by this terrible deal that the orange man bad put in place. It's his fault, really. Go ahead. Which we know nothing about. Look, I opposed the surge in the first place, number one. I didn't think we should have even the troops we sent there. Now, it's all been made public now that we should have the troops we, in the first place that were sent there. And I didn't think we should have had the number of troops, which is considerably less than the president, this, this president added. I think we should only have troops there to make sure that it's impossible for the Taliban, for ISIS or Al-Qaeda to reestablish a foothold there to be able to go from Afghanistan to the United States to attack the United States. Okay, stop. Requ- so... So what he just said, he obviously doesn't feel anymore. Right. That's exactly what he just said is exactly the position that a lot of people still today will take. That what we're doing here is putting ourselves exactly in the position for that to happen. Yeah, like Paul said, there, there's plenty of, you know, uh, contractors and special ops guys that are more than happy to hang around and, you know, go tear some stuff up. 
and when they're his, needed. And the idea that in his speech today that we're going to, oh, don't worry, we're going to have re- ready air ready um, across the mountains here for 900 million miles away. We're going to be able to keep track. Don't worry what's going on in Afghanistan. I mean, it, come on. With no intel, with no nothing on the ground. Is it crazy? Go ahead, G. Requires a much smaller footprint. But as I understand it, we're not drawing down to a level that was even as low as it was when we left Afghanistan. About 8,600 is the yeah. number of troops. And so we'll see. I mean, it's a little premature to make the judgment whether or not this is a good deal or not a good deal. But as you just said in the course of your answer there, you do think there should be some U.S. presence that remains yes, in Afghanistan? Yes, a very small presence to be able to determine whether oh, or not. Well, well, I mean, well. a small footprint. Mm. What does that look like? It look, looks American? like a se- several thousand people mm-hmm. to make sure that we have a place from which we can operate if, in fact, you find that there's a, re- a, a massing of Taliban capacity, I mean, excuse me, of al-Qaeda and or uh, ISIS capacity to strike the United States like happened in 9-11. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. boy. Okay, well, obviously that's, that's out, as we can now tell. Because that's not Joe Biden's position, obviously, anymore. Uh, second part of this interview, cut 5G. Roll that. The Washington Post quoted you this week in a story about Afghanistan, saying that back in 2010, you said to Richard Holbrook, the then envoy, I'm not sending my boy back there to risk his life on behalf of women's rights. It just won't work. Not what we're there for. Is that how you remember it? Yeah, what did you mean? What I meant was there's a thousand places we could go to deal with injustice. I can think of 10 countries where women and or children and or people are being, are, are being persecuted or being hurt. But the idea of us going to be able to use our armed forces to solve every single internal problem that exists throughout the world is not within our capacity. The question is, is America's vital self-interest at stake or the vital self-interest of one of our allies at stake? And the fact that they have a system in Afghanistan, as they do in parts of Pakistan, as they do in parts of other countries, that we're going to send troops because there is not a, a human rights or not being valued to the same degree that we are. That's a different story about sending combat troops. We should call it out. We should go to the United Nations. We should be saying, this is what's happening. We should try to shame and get the world to put pressure on and economic pressure on people who engage, countries that engage in that, but not send troops. That's what I meant. It is not sufficient. That was my point. And the idea was, and I think Richard had said something like, well, women are being abused there. I said, they're being abused a lot of places around the world. Are we going to send our American forces all over the world to make sure that stops? But then don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome if the Taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the rights? No, I don't. Look, are you telling me that we should go into China because go to war with China because what they're doing to the Uyghurs, a million Uyghurs in the, out in the West in concentration camps? Is that what you're saying to me? It was your quote, sir. I was asking you. No, I know. I gave you my, I gave the answer. You said, do I bear responsibility? Zero responsibility. Mm-hmm. The responsibility I have is to protect America's na- national self-interest and not put our women and men in harm's way to try to solve every single problem in the world by use of force. That's my responsibility as president. And that's what I'll do as president. Um, well, I think that's part of what you're part of it. Uh, I think, um, Making sure America is not more susceptible to being attacked is probably also part of it. 
And some would argue that today we are in a much more dangerous position. The, uh, the United States is in a much more dangerous position in many ways today because of what he's doing as president. Yeah, not only, not only from the terrorist angle, because now they're celebrating. They've got a whole country now, you know, but also from the, the, the power that uh, he's just ceded to China and Russia as well. I've said many times on this program that Hillary Clinton um, is the second worst Secretary of State next to John Kerry being the worst. Tony Blinkton's going to give that statement a run for its money. <laughs> Here is um, the Secretary of State back in May, cut 7G, back in May of this year, three months, not even three months ago. Roll that. I got asked about Afghanistan. Look, the president made clear we're not going to be there a year from now, right? Whether it's May, this May, June, I, I, will, I will cede you this, this sort of timeline here. But let me ask you this. How, how, can, how are we leaving any differently than the Russians, the Soviets did in 79 in this respect? Um, they left. There was no real transition in place. It, what The version of the Taliban, take, there's a civil war. They take over. We know what happens. How do we not think the same thing's going to happen again? Good Chuck, question. two things here. First, the president is committed uh, to, uh, uh, to ending this war, to bringing our troops home, and to making sure as we do that, to the best of our ability, that Afghanistan never again becomes a haven uh, for terrorism, and particularly for uh, terrorism that targets the United States. Took That's why minutes. we went there in the first place. That's what brought us there. Great job. Um, look. Ultimately, uh, any uh, peace that is going to be lasting uh, and that is going to be uh, just has to be uh, Afghan-led. And uh, what we're doing now is really energizing our diplomacy to try to bring uh, the parties together, the Taliban, the government of Afghanistan, other key players, but also countries in the region that have interests and influence in Afghanistan to try and move in that direction. I don't think anyone in Afghanistan, whether it's the Taliban, whether it's the government, and certainly not the people, have an interest in that country falling back into civil war. Uh, they've been in, in conflict for 40 years. Uh, if the Taliban, for example, wants recognition, if they want international support, if they're part uh, of some kind of new government going forward in Afghanistan, uh, that can't happen. Uh, that, su that support won't be there. So, uh, you know, we'll see how the parties calculate their interests. I think other countries also have to step up uh, and help move Afghanistan in a positive direction. Mm. Took about 10 minutes for everything he just said to be wrong. All right, live from Studio 6 Bay, more to do on a Monday night. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. Thirteenth of the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Monday. I was reminded. Um, somebody sent this to me, September twenty fourth, twenty twenty, in uh, USA Today of many places that published this. Joe Biden endorsed President Trump, excoriated by nearly five hundred top military and national security officials. Nearly 500 generals, admirals, and former national security officials from both parties endorsed former President Vice President Joe Biden on Thursday and blasted President Donald Trump as quote-unquote not equal 
to the challenges of the job in a letter released on Thursday. The letter signed by 489 members of the group called the National Security Leaders for Biden includes former Obama administration defense secretary Ash Carter, Chuck Hagel, Leon Panetta, along with former Navy Secretary and NASA Administrator Sean O'Keefe, retired officers from the Air Force, Paul Selva. Oh, he's good. um, And, um, of course, you can remember that you had General Mattis and General Kelly, and you have Mark Milley, and you have Vindman there, that little weasel, who all um, went after President Trump, and they endorsed Biden, and they came out with books, and they... They ran to the media at any time they could to talk about President Trump, even if it was on fake leaked uh, stories about um, bounties on people. Things that never could be. um, It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, As soon as Mad Dog Mattis had the chance, what did he do? As soon as Kelly had the chance, what did he do? As soon as any of these guys had the chance. Well, where are they today? I'm just curious. Has anyone heard, has there been a statement put out, an op-ed written? Is there anything from any of these? I don't know. I, I can't even, I don't want to say, you know, I respect everybody in, who wears the uniform. So it's hard sometimes, but I mean, just phony, these guys. Yeah, but that's, that's how they, you know, they, they, they don't. Where are this, they today? Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of con men there. There's a lot of con men there. So I'm just reminded of this story here. It's just laughable. This guy's the biggest joke we've ever seen. This guy's going to make the Carter administration look like the Reagan administration. We're you know we're I know it feels like seven years. It's about seven months. What are we? Not even seven months in. Yeah, seven months. Crazy. I don't know. Uh, just a follow-up on the worst, soon-to-be possibly worst um, Secretary of State, Blinken, who will soon overtake um, Kerry and Clinton. Cut 13. He went on with Jake Tapper on Sunday. And here's a little bit of how that went. Cut 13. Roll it, G. The idea that President Biden ordered 2,500 service members out and now is sending up to 5,000 service members back in, does that not on its face show that the the exit was ineptly planned? Yes. And again, (laughs) look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. Jake, what we've done, what the president has done, is make sure that we were able to adjust to anything happening on the ground. Uh, and the fact that we said that he sent additional forces in, we had those this forces at so the ready, bad. fully prepared to go <laughs> so in bad. the event uh, the G- uh, that this moved in. A- I, I can't. I just can't with this guy. He was slapped around by the Chinese right on live TV. We all saw that. He got slapped around by Jake Tapper rightly because he, he, he's a, he can't answer any questions. He can't answer any questions. Guy's weak. Guy's weak, personified. That's a weak answer. What he's talking about there is this, July 8th presser, cut three, that Biden had. May go down in history as one of the, um, I don't know what the word is. 
something that you look back on and just more ironic or non-fortuitous displays of someone's knowledge of the situation ever. Roll that. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They did not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. What is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through (laughs) the gates of our embassy. This is an aging well. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the the North Vietnamese army. They're They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. Wow. It is not at all comfortable. Great edit. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That, the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. I mean, that's, is, is that not, that is impeachable on its face. That's 25th Amendment stuff. That's so clueless. This is weeks ago. That's stunning on how, you know what? This is the same guy who said Hunter's the smartest guy he knows. Yeah, but forget. <laughs> Did you really expect anything more? No, forget that. That's nonsense. This flies right into the face of what Robert Gates said. Is this guy not listening to his – is he not getting along? Is he not listening? Because there's reports like in American Greatness today. So somebody's lying here. Either he's bold-faced lying, he's totally dementia out, lost it, or U.S. officials are lying because everybody's reporting that in the weeks leading up to this, the, the, his administration was consist, unquote, unquote, consistently informed that the Taliban could quickly overwhelm the country – and take the capital, according to anonymous intelligence officials. Multiple U.S. officials warned that a debacle reminiscent of the 1975 fall of Saigon when helicopters had to evacuate diplomats from the U.S. Embassy. Oh, by the way, somebody, Jake Sullivan, told us today, well, you know, the uh, helicopter is always the thing that takes us off the roofs. Don't, don't worry the fact that it was helicopters. That was his excuse. Uh, Joe Biden, nonetheless, has plowed ahead with his plan, insisting that such a result was highly unlikely. Well, so which one is it? You can't be this wrong and then just say, well, yeah, it was just, you can't be this wrong as the most informed person in the world. Well, you heard it from Gates in 2019. He says he has a problem with the military. He probably doesn't trust anybody. He thinks, oh, I know best. Okay, I'm but Joe. Okay, but if that's the case, that's, then we need to know that. Yeah. I think we found lot. it out. Huh? I think we found that out, that he doesn't listen to 
you know, the people that are telling him, okay, this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. Other intelligence sources said that Biden and his team of advisors had reached their decision about the U.S. military's withdrawal, which was all but completed on July 4th, based on a variety of factors that went beyond uh, Kabul's fate. A senior congressional official who asked not to be named in order to discuss sensitive briefings told ABC News that intelligence officers had warned the U.S. leaders about a swift and total victory by the fundamentalist Taliban militants who had held power in Kabul during the late 1990s up until after September 11th. The intelligence community uh, assessment has always been accurate. They just disregarded it, the official told ABC News. All right, hour two coming up. Glad you're in on a Monday. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Where where is the president? You know, why why isn't he communicating fulsomely to the American people? The president has been deeply engaged in all of the policy conversations and in this situation as it evolves in real time. We have uh, met with the president and his entire national security team uh, daily, and often multiple times a day. That's going to continue uh, again today. Uh, the president has spoken to this issue a number of times in, in recent weeks. He, we he has not he looked, John, totally different story than a few weeks ago, right? I mean, why isn't he out there now? Kabul fell yesterday. Where is the president? I'm the last person to criticize Joe Biden's decision to go through with this withdrawal from Afghanistan. I support it. But in its botched execution and wishful thinking, in its failure to anticipate the speed of the Taliban's advance against demoralized Afghan soldiers working for a weak government, made even weaker by corruption, the Biden administration failed to prepare for the humanitarian crisis that is unfolding now. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly. Secretary Blinken, how did President Biden get this so wrong? I appreciate that you're uh, defending the president's position here, uh, and, and it's tough given the pictures that we're seeing coming out of the airport. But there is an all-going-as-planned all tone to what you're saying here, and I just have to ask you, people hanging from airplanes and falling to their deaths, uh, people running around the airport in chaos, Afghans who worked with the Americans, Afghans being left without a lot of equipment or any equipment to work with. Was this what we're seeing right here before our eyes, the plan? Joe Biden is sitting at Camp David right now. He must feel humiliated watching these images on TV. In so many ways, this is completely on uh, President Biden. The way in which we're pulling out is something that's disgraceful. Was this inevitable, Carissa? I think the American people accepted this defeat a long time ago. Don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome if the Taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the no, rights? No, I don't. Do I bear responsibility? Zero responsibility.
All right, hour two, live from Studio 6B on a pretty serious show tonight, but it has to be because this is not, this is, uh, not a joking matter. It's a d- disgrace. And I started the show by saying there's some images as we've gone through the history of this country in the last 50, 100 years that you stick with you. The towers falling, people falling from the tires, jumping to their deaths to get out of there. It was either going to be burned to death or jump. And other things you can think of, other images throughout the, our history that stick with you and you can remember forever. And I think these images today, uh, of that right there, and, and people trying to get on that airplane and hang on to that airplane and hang on to the tires, and who ended up falling from that airplane to their deaths, will go down in history as, as not a great moment for this president and for this country. And when you've got, uh, and people wonder why he didn't take questions today. And as outrageous as it is, because you know the former president would have answered every question. First of all, the former president, we wouldn't be in this situation. I know people want to try to blame, oh, he was making a deal. He was making a deal based on the facts on the ground as he knew them. He wasn't, he wasn't married to any position. Um... But this is, just a, this is just a disaster. And I, wa- I want to stick on what we ended the first hour with here. On this idea that somehow Biden wasn't told or wasn't completely informed by the intelligence community that this was going to possibly happen. Jack Posobiec, who appears a lot on this network, usually on um, Steve Bannon's show, other shows too. And he um, has a huge following. And he's a reporter over at Human Events as well, which is a great site. Well, a U.S. source in Afghanistan contacted him on Twitter. And he posted posted this message. It says, message from in-region U.S. personnel. And it said, Jack, we've been reading the same daily reports from the forward... um, U.S. F.O.R.A., whatever that stands for, commander, that General McKenzie gets for the last two to three months, and everything pointed to this coming. That B.S. that Biden said at that press conference like a month ago, which I just showed you on July 8th, if you were reading the daily reports from Usefora uh, that I, I just told you, that statement made zero effing sense to you like it did to me for months leading up to that um anna slash andsf were surrendering literally hundreds sometimes thousands at a time to the taliban all over the country biden was completely talking out of his ass because that's uh what he said completely contradicted what was coming out of the intel reports that he was receiving So that from Jack Posobiec. A couple other things I want to get to today. Let's get to these. We all saw Biden. There's no reason to replay his his speech today. I do want to show you, though, because I'll bet most of you didn't see. I'll bet a lot of you saw the president. But I'll bet a lot of you after the president left and decided to go back to Camp David... 
because um, I guess there's no reason, nothing big enough to stay at the White House for and bring back his staff like his, oh, I don't know, his press secretary. You send her an email, this is what you get. Yeah, I'll be out of the <laughs> office. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> out of the office, vacation. Uh, nothing will bring me back. But a couple other, so a couple other things here. A lot, of, a lot of talk has been around about people who, um, and families, servicemen who spent time in the last 20 years in Afghanistan, how they must feel, especially watching President Biden today. Army veteran Matt Zeller, he watched President Biden today, and then he was invited on MSNBC to talk to Brian Williams. Well, you know, Mr. Williams has seen action, too. You know, he took incoming... Oh, no, no, that was a lie. I forgot. (laughs) Um, Cut 23, G. Here's Brian Williams' disgraceful introduction and good for U.S. Army veteran Matt Zeller for putting Mr. Williams directly in the place he needed to be put. And this is maybe the clip of the day. Roll that. So I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president, didn't run from it, he owned it. He owned his decision, he owned the fact that as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths too. I I don't, I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound bold-faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency, I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, they, they he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year, more than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now, and what I am appalled that the president didn't say, was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. That was scathing. Scathing. Where is the? It's just so. Think about how desperate we all are for some honest talk on television, especially from the lamestream left. You know what I mean? Like, how many times are we stuck listening to these talking heads just selling some BS agenda? It's just so. It's just so good to hear anything that sounds like the truth. Well, again, this is why I. It's laughable. I mean, I understand it. I don't mean it's laughable. But I just kind of chuckle when I saw the reaction to him just walking off today. Brian Williams, he owned it. <laughs> I mean, could this guy be more of a shill? Yeah. There's no, there's no degree that, they don't, that he wouldn't give in and shill for him. I'm surprised he wasn't saying he was flying that plane with the people out of leaving uh, 
yeah. Afghanistan. I but, was there too. But listen to that supercut that we opened the hour with. When you have Mika Brzezinski saying that, when you have other, when you have um, CNN, this is, could you imagine him trying to take questions? Again, he could not possibly be left out there today to take questions, even from the lapdogs in the media. Because even they could, cannot and could not brush this aside. What has happened in the last 72 hours? This is a stain on this administration that will never go away. And even they could not ignore it. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing that he made a beeline for the door without answering any questions. Kind of like, uh, you know, Obama back when Benghazi happened. Made a beeline for Vegas. Didn't want to talk about it. No, 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 not a big deal. Just some video. He's making it off like, the, hey, this is not a big deal. This is, this is the way it was going to be anyway. Right, same thing with Fast right? and Furious. Do you remember how he wouldn't answer a question about Fast and Furious and he was nailed dead to rights in one of the greatest scandals in American history? But no, no one wanted to talk about it. Nope. But my point today being that there was no way they were going to let Biden out there. Oh, no way. To no. take questions even from NBC, CNN, MSNBC, because even their questions, if you listen to that supercut, there was no way he was going to get around these questions or answer them um, quite frankly, if he took questions that were probably, it probably would have been the end. Well, yeah, because he would have. I mean, he would have done damage that was irreparable. And, Not that and, he hasn't already, in my opinion. And, and he would have re- responded like he normally does when he's asked a tough question. He gets angry, and he would have gotten very angry with these people. Yeah, but you would have seen the typical temper yeah. tantrum where he starts to yell and then he does his whispering earnest right. like the tone down his lunacy yeah he, he he can't go off script not once not now not never nope. um legal insurrection today mary chastain writes the following president joe biden blamed everyone but himself in one of the worst political speeches in history today but the fact is biden did not address the issue at hand what went wrong this weekend the majority of people want to withdraw we're okay with that people are not mad about a withdrawal people are mad about how it all went down we are not okay with how it went down this weekend so i said biden blamed everyone but himself even though the af and threw the afghans under the bus and we'll get to some of what else happened today after the president's speech when we get back All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Make sure you follow us on all our social media, facebook.com slash LFS6B, on Twitter at LFS6B, Getter, Parlor, YouTube, Rumble, all of them. <clears throat> Make sure you visit our friend Mike Lindell, by the way, who had a rough, rough go. He's got it coming, incoming from all angles. I saw Mr. Lindell on Steve Bannon this morning, and he just seemed a little frustrated. And uh, But he's still pushing forward, and he's all in, so... Uh, you can go to mypillow.com, 66% off on most items, and I've got great stuff 
Use our code LFS6B for up to 66% off on any of that stuff you need if you want it. Pillows, sheets, it's all great stuff, MyPillow.com. Um, so I know we all watch the president, but I don't know how many of you watched what happened after the president was done and left. Of course, no questions. So I want to I give you a couple things that I, I, I spent time watching and was really astounded by. And we'll start at the Pentagon. The Pentagon briefing... In some, in some ways, I think this is actually possibly worse than Biden's speech. Um, or they're just inept in answering questions or dodging questions, like I guess they try to do and get around to what they can say and what they can't, but they just... So here's General Taylor, 16G. Here's the first question he got out of the box. Roll that. General, has the U.S. military conducted any airstrikes today or in the last 24 hours or so? And also, there have been some reports of Afghan pilots um, flying their aircraft into other countries. Um, is that happening? And is the U.S. taking any other sort of steps to prevent aircraft or other military equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban? Yeah. First on the uh, first question on the strikes. Um, no, no strikes have been conducted in the last uh, 24 hours, but uh, the commander on the ground continues uh, to maintain that capability if required uh, to do so. Uh, the commander has the assets uh, that are available uh, there at HKI and in support uh, from other areas of, of the region. Um, I, I don't have information on the, uh, the your second part of the question, uh, but uh, we'll get back to them. Uh, so there's no, no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else? I don't have the, that answer to that question. Okay, now, so stop it for a second. So just stop it here. Wow. I mean, just think about how, just think about that. Think about all of the stuff we've learned as they made movies and documentaries on things when we went after bin Laden. The planning that went in to, God forbid, if something was to go wrong, what do you do with the helicopters? How do you get rid of them? How do you, where do you place explosives? All of the things they went through that we found out when that first helicopter crashed and the second one had to come in, all the things we've learned about, the precautions that, that the military takes to make sure that things don't fall in the hands of our enemies. And this reporter, unfortunately, this version of this Pentagon briefing, you can't see the cameraman's shot of the reporter's faces. But the gentleman who asked this question at this point here says, the look on his face is going, so you don't know if there's anything going on to protect the billions of dollars of equipment that we have? You have no answers? He has no answers. Not like, well, you know, John, we're taking all precautions that we always do. As you know, I can't speak about a lot of this because it's all blah, 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 what, what, whatever. Yeah, not even the standard, you know, okay, this is a standard uh, safe, safe answer. Just re go back just a little bit, G, when we pick it up. Just nothing. So... Here it is, one more time. Roll that. Yeah, your second part of the question, uh, but uh, we'll get back to them. Uh, so there's no, no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else? I don't have the, that answer to that question. You don't have the answer? He goes, you don't have um, the answer. Taylor, He's looking at him like... Was this a failure of intelligence or planning that led to the scenes we saw at uh, the airport both. today? When the, the scenes at the airport of the everybody coming on to be shut down. Yeah, 
what uh, what we know that happened at the, this uh, guy's the in airport charge. <laughs> was that there were a lot of Afghans that uh, were trying to uh, report it get out of the country. Uh, so I don't think that was a, a lack of planning. As we look at the coordination uh, with those that were responsible uh, for securing that, uh, we'll look at our mission, though, as I talked earlier, is now that the airfield's open, uh, is to make sure that it remains open. Uh, so like, uh, as I said, we can continue uh, expediting flights in and outbound. But the quick fall of Kabul, was that a failure of intelligence? I, I can't answer that. So you know, might as well send Biden out there or, or, or Saki out there. Well, that. once again, and again, I, I, you know, I'm just reading into this my own thing. But again, his whole demeanor and his lack of any transparency here, or even like Rick said, questions the old standard kind of out of the box questions, really may. And 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 I'll tell you what what else. And I may be reaching here. But the, the, the half smirk on his face, again, it almost makes me wonder if there's things here that, are, that the military leaders are at such odds with Biden over some of the decisions that maybe they pushed for and that he just blatantly shot down, that this guy's taking questions and he just is just going to be as vanilla as possible because he doesn't want to say the commander in chief's an idiot. Could what, be. What did I say the first night this happened? We'll just leave weapons everywhere, empower them, so we have a reason to bring even more new, better, more expensive weapons. It, the whole thing's a circle. You know he, he's nailed right there. He doesn't want to get caught somewhere along the way saying on another piece of film or some kind of document that they left weapons behind and empowered their enemy again. They keep doing it. Who's gonna, but aren't you going to assume that it, when the guy says, wait, you don't know? You don't have any idea if there's operations going on. What is left? What does that leave you with? You have to assume that that's the case, right? Yeah, right. I mean, right. Yeah, we scattered AKs everywhere. <laughs> so then, John Kirby, it's like an Easter egg hunt for weaponry. The uh, spokesman stepped up to the mic. Cut. Uh, I guess what I hear. 18G. Here's his first question. John Kirby, roll that. Uh, I'd like to follow up with oh, you good. or the general, but let me start with you, please, at the mic, if I may, to follow up on the previous question. The U.S. military, the Department of Defense, always, for decades, says we plan for everything. Clearly, whatever you planned for did not get planned for at the airport. We've now seen a C-17 with more than 600 people sitting on the floor with the pilot making the decision that he would fly them out anyhow, even though that's an extraordinary number of people. We've seen the world has seen all the scenes at the airport. So my two questions are, what failed in your planning? Because you didn't plan for this. You would not have planned to fly in such dangerous circumstances. And how do you determine where the responsibility lies for this failure? Well, first of all, Barbara, I would take issue with uh, uh, your designation of this uh, operation at the airport as a failure. But let's <laughs> no. get back to that in a second. Let, uh, let's get back to that in a second. Yes, we do plan for all manner of contingencies. This is a planning organization. Um, and we do that specifically to try to mitigate risk uh, and to try to be ready for unforeseen circumstances, but it's not a perfect process. Plans are not 
always perfectly predictive. And you, uh, and as is a well-known military maxim that plans don't often survive first contact, uh, and you have to adjust in real time. And I think uh, when you look at the images out of Kabul, uh, that would have been difficult for anybody to predict. Yes, we, we did plan on uh, uh, non-combatant evacuation operations as far back as May. There were drills being done here at the Pentagon uh, to walk through what different non-combatant evacuation operations might look like. There was another one recently done just two weeks ago, uh, a tabletop exercise to again examine what a non-combatant evacuation would look like out of uh, the Hamid Karzai International Airport. I mean, specifically at the airport. Okay, so uh, and we'll continue with this, but just again, there's the spokesman at the Pentagon saying that this is, number one, not a failure. I'll take issue with that characterization <laughs> of it being a failure. And number two, that um, no one could have imagined this could have happened, which uh, I just read you multiple uh, sources that say that that's just total nonsense. So who's lying here? That's the question. Our live from Studio 6B. So we started last segment going over some of the other things that happened today after the president spoke, because most people thought the president's speech was, um, well, pretty weak. Pretty weak. Um, not too presidential. Uh, pretty much giving us this fake choice between, well, just a just a fake fake choice. People are not people are not up in arms about the fact that we're leaving. Most people, I think, probably fall on the side of being okay with that. I think most people don't fall on the side of making the country more vulnerable to attack. And this debacle that has unraveled over the last 72 hours. And that's what today I thought was supposed to be about. Not trying to blame Trump or blame the Afghan fighters or blame the Afghan uh, military or its leaders or everything under the sun other than your administration but that's not exactly what happened and it got worse after biden left the um podium so back to the um the pentagon john kirby took a question on the plane now we've all seen these images of the plane of what happened at the airport on the runway and unfortunately we've seen this horrific video of these people who were hanging on to the plane falling to their deaths john kirby was asked about it today cut 19 g roll that thank you john uh to, to drill down a bit on the on the flights out that we've, we've seen on video um my colleagues at defense one have reported there were in excess of 600 perhaps 640 people on a c-17 flying out uh, and you, you also took a question this morning in your first briefing and said you'd try to get back to us on it. There appeared to be two people that fell from that aircraft, likely to their death. Can you confirm those things? Thank you. Uh, on the uh, on the that video footage that I know we've all seen of uh, of something falling off, off the wing, I, I don't have uh, an update <laughs> for you in terms of uh, 
specific validity of that. We're obviously uh, just as interested in you and in, in learning more about uh, what what happened there. Wait, is um, he saying that it might the, be propaganda? So yeah, so so about... Hold it for a second, G. Go is, he, ahead, is he suggesting right there that it? Well, I saw something dropping, right? But it could be propaganda video. Is that what he's suggesting there? Because what we saw was someone falling off that wing. I saw the original video. That video doesn't show much. We saw people falling, getting crushed and trampled. I think that almost, almost as stunning as that, though, is the idea that somehow, and they do this all the time. These are the guys who work for the intelligence community of the government. As he tries to tell this reporter that, oh, yeah, I'm just as interested in learning. Like, we're going to learn together. <laughs> I, I'll get all this info just like when you right. get it there, uh, buddy. As if he's not getting these things in advance, as if he doesn't know, if he ha as if like he hasn't seen all the footage, as if he hasn't gotten all the reports, he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, he's privy to everything. Go everything. back a little bit, G. Yeah, he's privy and, to everything. And again, it's reminiscent of the whole Obama scheme. Hey, you know what? I found out about this just like you guys did in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Come on, hey, stop. I'd, I'd like to learn about this too, John. Hey, if yeah. you get it first, send it over to me here at the Pentagon and I'll share it with the guy. I mean. Yeah. What else could fall from a plane that has arms and legs? Oh, I don't know. We saw something fall. That we just saw on the ground with thousands of people climbing on it. Go ahead. Uh, of something falling off, off the wing. I, I don't have uh, an update for you in terms of uh, specific validity of that we're obviously uh right, just yeah, as Captain interested Kirk. in you and in, in learning more about uh what what happened there um and on the on the first question about the 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 c-17 with you know fully loaded I, again i don't have any additional information about that particular aircraft and that particular flight uh but uh but you know we'll we'll continue to try to dig down and uh, and see if there's more information that can be had about that it's obviously uh difficult from 8,000 miles away to, to, uh, to have perfect knowledge about everything that's going on sure. on the ground over there. Uh, but again, uh, we're working hard to secure, uh, to keep the airport uh, secure and uh, keep these operations now uh, sustained now that they're, they're back on track. You know, you, you kind of lose me when <laughs> you can either just, number one, turn on the damn TV, or number two, maybe go on your Twitter account. When, you, when yeah. we have more information than he makes it sound like he has, and he expects us to believe him. Yeah, like he can't pick up the phone and go, you know what, I should look into that. Hold on a second. I, <laughs> hey, got, I, got, a, feel I got a guy I got a guy in Kabul who could answer this for me. Right. I, I got a feeling this is going to come up at the presser. Right. I'm going to get a couple kernels of info on it, so at least I can have a little back and forth with the watchdog media, because we know how deeply they care about the truth. I mean, he's clearly filling in for Saki while she's gone, right? Yeah, well, he's he answered the same way. Yeah, they answer the same way. He could do a very good job of doing that. So, But now I'll give John Kirby some credit because this was probably his, his best moment of the day, Did he I leave? thought. And um, I think this is representative, way more representative of where the American people's hearts are today. The next question he took was from the reporter from Afghanistan. Cut 20, G. I thought Mr. Kirby did a pretty fantastic job here, as much as he could, of representing, I think, where the country probably feels. Roll that. Nazira. Thank you so much, John. 
As you know, I'm from Afghanistan, and I'm, I'm very upset today. Because Afghan women didn't expect that overnight all the Taliban came. They took off my flag. This is my flag. They put their flag. Everybody is uh, upset, especially women. And I forgot my question to me. What do you ask? Where is my president, former President Ghani? People expected that he bye-bye with the people. And immediately he ran away. We don't know where is he. And we don't have a president. President Biden said that President Ghani, no. He has to fight uh, for us people. They have to uh, do everything, and we were able to uh, financially help them. But we don't have any president. We don't have anything. Afghan people, they don't know what to do. A woman has a lot of achievement in Afghanistan. I had a lot of achievement. I, I left from the Taliban like 20 years ago. Now we go back to the first step again. Do you have any comment? We are our president. You should answer to Afghan people. Well, I obviously can't speak for uh, Ashraf Ghani or where he is or what his views are. I wouldn't do that. Um, but let me say with all respect that uh, that I understand, and we all understand, the the anxiety and the fear and the pain that you're feeling. It's, it's clear and it's evident. And uh, nobody here at the Pentagon is... Uh, happy about the images that uh, we've seen uh, coming out uh, in the last few days, uh, and we're all mindful of, um, of the kind of governance, governance that the, the Taliban is capable of. Um, uh, so, you know, heart, heartfelt uh, respect to, to what you're going through, and, and we, uh, we understand that. Um, a lot of us have spent time in Afghanistan. The general mentioned that um, everything that you're seeing in the last 48, 72 hours is personal for everybody here at the Pentagon. Uh, we, we too have invested greatly in, in Afghanistan and in the progress that women and girls uh, have made politically, economically, socially. Uh, and, and we certainly uh, do understand and we do feel uh, the pain that, that you're feeling probably not to the same uh, extent. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I thought at least at least there's some empathy there you heard none of that from the president you didn't even hear as mr kirby at least said there these images coming out of here nobody likes nobody wants to see we understand what the taliban now being back in control represents to millions of afghan women and kids and you got none of that from biden not even a hint of it so I felt like at least we got something there from John Kirby, because I think that's probably, I think the American people certainly don't want to put our young men and women in harm's way ever. But I certainly think that most of the American people think about innocent lives there now, and your heart breaks for them, knowing the circumstance they are, about, they are now going to face. So, I mean, as good a job as he could do it of there of, of trying to represent those feelings, I thought he at least tried. Did you see the CNN reporter today get, you know, she was forced into the, um, the oh my God, well, the, the full hijab? head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, there's been a lot of politicalization of that, where they, some people were saying she was chanting 
for the Taliban there. But like then they were saying, well, was she just scared? You guys watch any of that theater? We have, we have. I think we have this clip. Cut, cut twelve. G, play it. They're just chanting "Death to America," but they seem friendly at the same time. I have. Uh, <laughs> They're friendly. It's a friendly death to America. That I, that that almost that rings on the same level. Um, as this cut 22 g now obviously this is a day that i wasn't going to even attempt to make a crazy town because there's nothing amusing about any of this today and i know geo told me people in the chat are angry that i'm in such a bad mood it's not that i'm in a bad <laughs> mood i i truly believe that the, the country are that we are in a we are in a much more dangerous spot as a country than we have been in the last 20 years that we've been there today and not that I don't want our young men and women out of there too, if possible. But this you know, idea that it's a zero-sum game, it's either, it's either like a silence or rage, or it's zero, or I, I just think is a false choice because I just think we're... Well, that's how they do it. They try to frame it up that way. They give you these two extremes and then go have at it, minions, and start hating each other, you know, instead of some reasonable dialogue somewhere in the center of a solution. I mean, I don't know how you can't be worried about the country in a significant way at this point, seven months into this administration. Why? Rising prices and everything, commodities through the roof, inflation through the roof, education, teaching racism, um, communist takeover from the ground up, communist takeover from the top down, relinquishing all, all power to these gigantic monolithic corporate structures that are borderless and feckless and care less about anybody on any continent or country state town or you know you want to go further through the, the collapsing dollar i mean everything it's just everything well, coming to a head other than that everything the delta fine. variant <laughs> other than that i'm super I mean, that's that, that's, I that's mostly inside the borders that doesn't account for china right and what happens if they make a move on top what do we, what do you expect from this rick made a point earlier that we kind of glossed over i would love to touch on it the way we've kowtowed to china so much the way the un has kowtowed to china and you know we see that you know they were pulling all the strings throughout covid they ran the show they covered it up and everybody was afraid to say boo because they didn't want any problems with big mean world superpower china we, there's something there uh they there's something there i mean this this turning over to the Afghanistan the way they did, there's something going on that I can't, my tiny little brain can't figure out, but none of it makes sense. Yeah. All right, I'll show you this State Department video when we get back. We'll wrap it up on a... Wait, that's it? On a tough Monday. Wow. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in. We're back after this. from Studio 6B, looking at some of um, currently what's going on since we've been on the air. Um, Eric Erickson, 
from the Eric Erickson Show tweeted this. Georgia Insurance Commissioner John King, who served in Afghanistan, said he's getting WhatsApp phone calls from his counterparts in Afghanistan begging for help. Georgia's two senators won't return his calls. Thankfully, Tom Cotton is trying to help on the Senate side. Uh, Rick, you, you said you had some news that somebody put out that what's going on over there already? Yeah, somebody on chat said they read that the, uh, they're reading that executions are starting publicly in the stadium there. I think in Kabul. Kabul or Kabul? As they continue Kabul. to try to find people who what served in the or helped and served in the yep. military. Yeah, they were going door to door earlier, so I'm sure that they found people that uh, you know assisted the U.S. at some point, or just decided you know what? Because I also heard there are some that are here in this country uh, that they're getting messages saying come back to Afghanistan or we're going to kill your family that you left behind. And so. just remember, if you want to keep up on these updates, just go to Twitter. You can find the Taliban accounts. Um, if you want updates from Donald Trump, I'm not exactly sure where to send you for those. But updates from the Taliban, you can still get on um, on Twitter. So you can find those. So don't forget that as well. Yeah, there were disturbing reports. It says that uh, they're going door-to-door with a kill list uh, and women face torture and execution under the new rules. Okay, a couple last things I want to get to. General uh, Taylor was asked one last question in this Pentagon briefing, 21G, of just basically how possibly this uh, could happen. Roll that. For General Taylor, I want to go back to the question, though, that the, the Afghan National Security Forces collapsed quicker than anticipated. What was anticipated? I ask you because you've been there. You, had, you said you had a deep emotional connection to the events on the ground. Roughly $83 billion has been spent. 66,000 of these great people have been killed, according to the cigar. Can you give a sense broadly, why do you think they seem to have collapsed quicker than expected? I think, uh, as Mr. Kirby said earlier and others, is that uh, the, the anticipation of uh, the lack, possibly, of action by uh, some of the Afghan leaders, I think, is uh, one of the areas uh, that we look, are continuing uh, to look at. When you say Afghan leaders, you're talking military or political leaders? Military uh, and, and some of the political. But really, as we look at what were the actions or lack of actions at the, the military level uh, throughout the country is what we're looking at right now. Because $83 billion, people are going to say that was wasted. I mean, what do you think, what do you, what do you respond to somebody who does not keep following this closely? Yeah. Uh, I know that we will continue to look to, to find out and, and dig deep into uh, the why uh, we're at where we are today. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. we got to get going. All right, so um, that was the last question at the Pentagon briefing. Now, over at the State Department, I also went over and watched that in its entirety. I just couldn't I couldn't subject you to all of it, but uh, there was one moment from it that has to be played. And again, I don't, I, I don't know how to explain clips like this. Are they this incompetent? Are they just thinking that we'll just, this will just pass over and people won't pay that much attention to it? I don't know, but this is um, 22G. This spokesman at the State Department is the first openly gay spokesman, by the way, to uh, spend in this position. And here is, um, here is his take on what should happen now. Roll that. Additionally, the UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative including with the full and full and meaningful participation 
of women. The council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. <laughs> I, hate, I hate to let him know, but I don't think the Taliban is going to be inclusive of LGBT <laughs> rights, women's rights. I, I, ju I just don't think that's going to resonate as they're going to be decapitating people if it, and, and assassinating, as it's already, Rick said, it's already started. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. the only place they'll be inclusive. And oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Well, let's gather them all over here. Okay, you guys are, you know, okay, let's, let's off with their heads, basically. Or, or I mean, just they're already abducting 12 year, girls as young as 12 to be married to... People they've never met. Yeah, yeah. the chieftains, if they will. They also, there's also so many reports of what the abuse of little boys there, like, to their... Like they, it's just psychotic what goes on in the reports, just beyond brutal. And, and again, it goes to this, you know, this misunderstanding of... of the way these people live it's a different culture it's a different way they they live in tribes this is this is this is their this is how they live for us to go in there and think well you know all you need is some nice roads and some uh some 7-elevens and you guys will be right right where you need to be that's not the way they think and then and then to sit there and think well you know if they want to be recognized by the international community ha ha yeah like they really care about the international community <laughs> right. at what point did they ever care about the international community? yeah they care about global commerce right right they they care about well you know do we have 5g in this part of the country no they don't care about that stuff they care about power let's hear that one more time g22 because this, this is really this is Again, I, I don't even know what perpetuates a statement like this, what the goal of this statement is. Roll that. Additionally, the UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and, full and meaningful participation of women. You can't even the read The council it. spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, oh. including to international humanitarian law and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. Okay, maybe yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make sure they're fully vaccinated and wearing masks in public. I mean, what 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 is that? What is that? You know, they're probably Other like than, you know holding up their skirt, like, oh my goodness, did we do something wrong? We better we better stop what we're doing right now, and you know, be inclusive and you know, because this I don't like these tersely worded. Uh, commandments coming out of the united states government they're hurtful these people are detached i think that's the word detached from oh, yeah. reality completely the um the editorial boards at most of the major newspapers are starting to um I, i've seen some of them start to come out already the wall street journal in particular has a paragraph and it says we are listening to biden's pathetic address to the nation today as we write this column my god he honestly doesn't get it, setting aside the disgust that he just once again blamed his predecessor. He continues to ignore the very simple difference between leaving Afghanistan and how we leave Afghanistan. He just ended his pathetic comments in which he said zero about the men, women, and children, principally young girls of Afghanistan. His speech was defensive. His speech sucked. <laughs> that from the um from the wall street journal 
from the Washington Post, I believe. President Biden's statement on Saturday, washing its hands of Afghanistan, deserves to go down as one of the most shameful in the history by a commander-in-chief at such a moment of American retreat. So um, you're going to start to see more, more and more of this. Now, the only question is how long will the lamestream media hang on to their positioning that they're currently in and how long until they try to find some excuses here for him if, if they do? And here's the scariest part of where this country's at right now. And, I, and for those of you who thought I was down, a da- Debbie Downer tonight, well, I apologize. And I'm sorry that you felt that way. But here's a thought I'll leave you with. If Joe Biden is, uh, was to resign or anything was to happen, you know who the next person in charge would be. Just think about that. We would possibly go from bad to worse. If that's remotely possible, that's what the situation would be. That's how bad it is. That I, as bad as it is, let's hope he hangs on. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines, everybody who gave 20 years of their life keeping this country safe, and we'll see what happens from here. Thanks, guys, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. We'll be back back tomorrow night, 8 p.m., live from Studio 6B. We'll see you then.